1: Transfer.com. We
0: will- the following program is sponsored by Reaching Hearts
2: Ministries. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Mike's message today is entitled, The Life. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com if you miss any portion of this message. We are bringing you the second half of this message today. But again, you can always listen to both parts online or download a copy to your personal library from reachingyourheart.com. Our phone number here is 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371, always available, so please give us a call and let us know that you listen. Please stay with us for just a few moments after the program is finished. I have some other very important information I'd like to pass along to you. Let's get underway with a message entitled, The Life. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Tanko.
1: It is the thirst for a lonely and lost soul who cannot find a well within. It is the thirst to save the lost that cannot find the way. John 4.9, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? That's the profound question we must ask today. Where do you get that living water? In the Damascus document of the Dead Sea Scrolls, it was predicted that one day a teacher of righteousness would arise in the land of Samaria who would unlock the secret of living water. I'm reading now from that Damascus document, part of the Dead Sea Scrolls. The well is the law. And those who dug it were converts to Israel who went out of the land of Judea to sojourn in the land of Damascus. God called them princes because they sought Him. They shall find nothing until He who comes who shall teach righteousness at the end of days. So they believed that the well was the law of Moses. They looked to the law of Moses to give them life. They believed that if you put the law of Moses inside your heart, you would have the well within. That's all you needed was the law. And yet the law was dry in and of itself. The law could not give life. The law in and of itself could not raise the hopes and give a a future with resurrection power. And so they were thirsty for a well within that could satisfy the deepest thirst of their hearts. The prophecy in the Damascus scroll predicted that, quote, "...they shall find nothing until he who comes shall teach righteousness at the end of days." The Samaritans only accepted the first five books of Moses. That was part of their religious understanding. Forget the Jewish prophets, only stick with Moses. In 1616 in Damascus, scholars found a copy of the Samaritan version of the Law of Moses. There is a significant passage in their Samaritan version of the Law of Moses, the first five books, the Pentateuch, the Torah of the Bible, that speaks specifically to living water. Leviticus 14, 5-7. Take your Bible's Turn with me there. It says, The living water in this context was used to introduce an isolated and unclean leper back into the family of Israel. Living water had a special function. It was to take an outcast and bring them home. It was to take someone who was unclean, someone you could not fellowship with, and it was to initiate them back into the family of God. Verse 5, And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthen vessel over the running water. Now, the Hebrew for running water is mayim chayim. It means living water, literally. In other words, he would take a vessel and put living water over it. He shall take the living bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet stuff and the hyssop and dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the living water, literally. Verse 7, He shall sprinkle it seven times upon him who is to be cleansed of leprosy. Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into the open field. I mean, if you wanted to be cleansed as a leper, if you wanted to be initiated to where you could come back into the family of Israel, you're no longer on the outside of the camp, you could come home and no one would look at you like there was anything wrong. You had to have living water poured over you. In the verses that follow, the leper is able to go home to his family without shame because he has come into contact with a ceremony that has cleansed him living water. Now, this woman didn't want the living water for a superficial and silly reason. She was inquiring because of Jesus' request because deep down inside, she was a spiritual leper in her community without a husband that was right and without God. She had made decisions that had ostracized her. She was the talk of the town. She was the person that everyone talked down and everyone laughed at because she was the immoral gal that kept on getting worse with every single run of her life. And she wanted living water deep down inside because she was a spiritual leper. And she wanted God. She wanted it because she was tired of people crying, unclean, unclean, unclean. She wanted a place to worship, a people to belong to. She came to that well at noon because other women came in the morning and the evening. She was avoiding the town. She came alone. She wanted to avoid them because she was essentially a spiritual leper. She came in the heat of the day to relieve her thirst in the night for light and life and God. She came to that well in the heat of the day and found a different kind of spring sitting beside the well. In verse 11, she said, where do you get this living water? You can ask many questions in life. And we do. The intellectual ones aren't nearly as important as this one. Where do you get this living water? That's the question that makes the difference in life. According to Paul, Jesus had always been the source of living water. I mean, there's not a time in the history of the world that Christ was not what He is, the source of living water. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10.1, I want you to know, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud, all were baptized through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same supernatural food, and all drank the same supernatural drink. For they drank from that supernatural rock which followed them... And then he just says without apology, that rock was Christ. I mean, you can't get life in a desert that really makes you live unless that rock is Christ. Christ was the sustaining power that gave living water in the Old Testament. The Jewish rabbis believed that there was a literal rock that bounced around in the desert that gave them water to drink. A literal rock. They didn't know there was a living rock with living water. Exodus 17, verse 5 is the background for this tradition. And the Lord said to Moses, after they left Egypt, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the rod with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb. The Hebrew literally reads, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb. Now, Horeb is just another name for Mount Sinai. God is standing on a rock in Mount Sinai, Horeb, And then look what happens next. And you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. I mean, this is the first time living water came out of a rock. It's the rock that God is standing on. It's coming out of that rock to give life to people who are ready to die in a dark and terrible situation in the desert experience. In the context, God is standing on a rock, and in Mount Sinai is where that rock is open. So that's why they thought the law is the well. They thought, well, it comes from the law. And because they knew that rock was connected to the law, it was connected to the mountain in which the law of God was given. This rock that God is standing on is identified again in Exodus 24, 9-12. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel... And there was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God, they ate, and they drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, and I will give you the tables of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. The context is, the stone... The law and the commandment all as a single expression. The Hebrew says literally, I will give you tables of the stone. It's followed by the law, by the commandment. Each one of those expressions in the Hebrew language is a repetition of the one that precedes it. So the law, which is the stone, the commandment, which is the law, the stone, the law, the commandment. The only stone in the context is the blue stone. The tables, the foundation stone that God is standing on. According to Moses, the law of God was taken from the blue sapphire stone. So they knew in the Old Testament that, yes, that something came out of that rock that gave us the law. And so they thought the law was the well of living water. The river of living water came out from that blue sapphire stone that God was standing on at the top of Mount Sinai. According to Moses, spiritual healing and moral certainty flow from the same rock. Ezekiel one twenty six identifies the sapphire stone that God was standing on at the top of Mount Sinai as God's throne. So it's not just an ordinary stone, it's God's throne. It's a throne stone. And above the firmament, over their heads was the likeness of a throne. Ezekiel is seeing this in prophetic vision. in appearance like sapphire. The Hebrew says literally, stone sapphire. Better translated sapphire stone, but literally stone sapphire. The same Hebrew word used for stone is used in Exodus 24, 12. Tables of the stone. And the same Hebrew word used for sapphire, sapir, is used in Exodus 24, 10. For the rock that God is standing on. And then it says, and seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness, as it were, of a human form. We now know what that rock was. It was the throne of God. The law of God came from the throne of God. Living water came from the throne of God. So in a way, they were right. The well is the law. But in a more profound way, they were wrong. They didn't get the deeper significance of it. The blue sapphire stone that God stands on in Exodus 24.10 and Ezekiel 1.26 is the throne of God here identified. In the context of the law of Moses, the blue sapphire stone is the source of of the living water. It is the life spring. It is also the source of the law of God. But more importantly, the rock is not ultimately a place in Torah theology. In the law of Moses, it's not about some cold rock, be it precious or not. The rock is a person. The stone is a gemstone. The stone is a precious thing that is more than a thing, that is a person, the ultimate person, who is the life. In the middle of the blue sapphire stone throne of God, There is a living person who is God's authority and who is the source of living water from which all blessings flow. Jesus is the rock that gives us living water. And the source of living water at the well of Sychar is a thirsty Savior who is thirsty for a lonely woman's soul. The center of God's authority, the heart of God's will, the rock that gave water in the desert has found His way to a woman who can't find Him in a land that doesn't know, to a city called drunkenness, to find the lady who needs the well of living water. The one who said, I thirst at the cross has springs of living water waiting for you, dear heart, at the throne of God today. He's just as passionately interested in your future as he was for hers. He is still the life and the well within for life. Revelation seven fifteen. Therefore are they before the throne of God. And God's people in the future will serve Him day and night, it says, within His temple. And He who sits upon the throne will shelter them with His presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. Now notice verse 17. For the Lamb where? What does it say? In the center of the throne. At the heart of God's authority. At the heart of the blue stone throne of God. At the heart of God's authority, His moral law, is a person. For the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Friend, the Lamb, our Lamb, Jesus, is at the center of the throne, and the Lamb is the one who leads us to springs of living water. In Numbers 15, 37-40, according to the law of Moses, every Jew was to wear a blue tassel that would symbolize the law of God. Why? Because the law of God was taken from this blue sapphire stone. Because it represents God's cosmic law, the constitution of the universe. His foundation is none other than His throne. and At the center of that is Jesus. Christ is the center of God's authority. He is the center of God's constitution for the universe. The moral law and how God dealt with its breaking at the cross comes through Jesus to the universe it was to remind them that the law was taken from that blue sapphire throne of god and rabbinical tradition supports that claim they understood it that way in the bible the color blue represents the 10 commandment law of god but it also represents jesus who was true blue to you at the cross the jews who wrote the dead sea scrolls taught that the well is the law they were only half right in this understanding you know when people teach the blue stone they leave jesus out of it they're only half right Yes, the law of God was taken from the blue stone throne of God. But friends, it's not just an inanimate rock. That rock that followed them was Jesus. The rock at the heart of God's authority is a living person. The law of God is alive because Christ is the law. They were only half right in this understanding. The plan of God, the well is the lawgiver who died for us at the cross. The lawgiver is the law. The well is the lawgiver who opened up his side for us at the cross because we broke his heart. The well within is the life that died for every sin. And Christ takes away our sins forever as a well of water flows to you in the lowest spot on planet earth. The woman at Jacob's well was standing before the well of living water. She was standing before the life spring. She was standing before the primordial rock principle of the universe, the foundation of all that God has, the source of life. And there He was. And she couldn't see at first who Jesus really was. You know, when people think they're smarter than Jesus, they really don't see who He is. We're not smarter than the Lord Jesus. We're not smarter than the Bible He gave us. We need to humble up, stop the fake intellectual talk, and come to Christ... And let the Word of God have its impact on us. And not play games with the wellspring, with the life spring. The Hebrew word for well also means eye. And so that idea is present in the Greek, even though it's not written in the Hebrew language. When you're at a well in the Hebrew thought, there's an eye around. Rahab was at the well of the life of her sight when God saw her. And so there is context here. John 4.13 Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to drink. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. That was a great question. What's that got to do with anything? The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband. You have had five husbands, and he whom you now have is not your husband. This you said truly. Whoa! Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, wouldn't hurt, a little child. That's pretty direct, isn't it? Isn't that pretty direct? Christ is not satisfied to let you stay in your sin without pointing it out in your life. The one who saves you is not going to leave you in sin. Now, he's not condemning her. He's just telling her that you got issues. And you didn't frame it right. You were trying to hide it from me. You can't hide it from me. Because I'm not only the well of living water, I'm the eye of God that sees deep into every part of your life. I know you as an open book. How many people come to church for the culture, the liturgy, the form of faith, and they fail to find the living water. This woman was living in known sin, deliberate sin. We're not talking about the kind you accidentally commit. See, this was the kind you planned to do. And you planned to keep on doing it. This is the kind of sin she was struggling with. Maybe she wasn't even struggling. It's just what she was about. She had five husbands, one after the other. I mean, Today, it could be different. It could be that video machine you don't get out of your home because you keep playing deliberately that stuff that will keep you out of glory and will corrupt your kids. Maybe it's that for you. Or maybe it's the love of money, the love of success, or the love of accolades from others. It could be narcissism. You're just liking being liked too much. Everyone can have their own issues. And everyone has had their own issues at some point in time. The point is, the Lord knows them all. And so here she is. Christ is the well within who is the eye of God that sees everything. And he sees right inside her life. See, God can't fix you by just working the outside over. He has to fix you by going inside. It happened to me. I had a friend up here for a board meeting. I took him back to the metro. I took him to Union Station where he would go home. And as I got to my car, I didn't notice it until I'd driven away and I parked in another place that someone had dinged my door in my new car. Have you ever had that happen? You buy a new car and someone takes a... Door from their truck or something insensitive, it puts a one-inch ding in it. They call that a dent, right? And then they just drive off, they don't put any piece of paper saying I messed your car up or anything like that. Now I've had issues with my car since I got it. Nephi, our cat, scratched it to death. and I was able to buff most of that out. But this one was hard to handle. How do you fix a ding? I tried to th- think, well, maybe if I pushed the metal, you know. On the outside, it'll work its way out, and I couldn't do it. So finally, it hit me. I needed to go to the dealership and see if they could fix this ding and to see how costly it would be. Well, I did something which was wise, not knowing so at the time, is that I purchased an extended insurance plan for my car that went to 80,000 miles. and It happened to have ding protection built into it. A ding protection plan. So I said, look at this awful ding. He says, no problem, you won't even see it. And they brought someone there and I watched what they did. They took my door apart. They reached within the inside of the car, not the outside. They rolled that ding out to where it was as smooth as the day was made. And they buffed it and they cleaned I can't tell there was a ding. The only way to fix my car was to do it from the inside out. See, God sees within you He knows what's inside. He knows that a workover won't work, that he has to come within. And so he tells the woman, I see your life as an open book. I discovered that when the eye of God looks deep within, and the light of God begins to shine deep within, is a natural response for a person to hide from the eye and run from the light. This woman hid from the eye of Jesus behind her religion, but her religion could not give her living water. She needed Jesus to give her living water. She began to play theological hide and seek with God that day as she hid from the eye of Jesus the well within that is the life. She said, Sir... Now, you notice how she's getting real formal now? Sir, our fathers... Now, she's referring back to her tradition. Our fathers, not Jewish fathers, Samaritan fathers. Our fathers worship on this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship? Notice how she changed the subject on Jesus in midstream, pun intended here. She changed the subject. She's near the living water midstream. She changes the subject. In verse 19, she said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Flatter him a little bit to get out of trouble. Now, she is beginning here to sound like Nicodemus for a change. She's sounding like the Jewish scholar that is pictured in John 3. This is John 4. Prophet, teacher, wise man. She's on the intellectual plane now. Bearer of spiritual discernment and good advice. Rabbi, Jesus has to be more than these or He is nothing of benefit to the thirsty soul. An intellectual religion will not get you out of the ground on resurrection morning. It just won't work. Jesus cut to the quick in verse 23. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such the Father seeks to worship Him. God is spirit, Jesus says, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. And when He comes, He will show us all things. And Jesus did what He couldn't do for the learned intellectual scholar Nicodemus. Jesus said to her in verse 26, I who speak to you am He. Clear talk, straight talk. The Bible says she left her water jar and ran to the village and told the world the kind of life she had lived and the man who knew about it all. She told them about the well within that is the eye that sees everything inside. But more than this, the well within is Him. It's not the law. It's the lawgiver. The well within is Him, a Jew, a Jew, not a Samaritan, who is not ashamed to sit with the woman of Samaria at the well of drunkenness, the well of Sychar, yes, he is the well within, the life. She used her testimony with all its uncomfortable details to lead the people of her town to Jesus. She used the story of her dysfunctional past to lead people to Jesus, to move people to come to the man who could see. She left her water jar there at the well because she had real water She had the kind that would last a lifetime within. She didn't need that water jar anymore. She found her water somewhere else that day. The life that comes from him, the well within. Nicodemus took three years to find Jesus because he wanted to operate on the intellectual plane. This woman found Jesus in a single day because she listened with her heart. The Samaritan woman is the real example of faith in the Gospel of John. You can't find a better example of it the perfect example of faith for every empty heart longing for living water in the desert of a dry and thirsty life. She said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. He is the eye of God. He is the well within. He is the lawgiver. More than the law, he is the life.
2: That will conclude the second portion of the life with our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenco. If you missed any portion of this message, you can find it online. It is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Just look for the broadcast schedule there on the main page and scroll down till you find today's date. You'll see the life available there for you. Our phone number here is 877-788-5371. 877-788-5371. Feel free to give us a call at any time. And make sure you stop by the website reachingyourheart.com. We certainly appreciate those contributions. They help us to continue to bring you these messages here on this station. For Pastor Mike and everyone here, please also know that we pray that God is reaching your heart.